This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Did you see that? Did you see that? What Carmen and Harmon did there? They made us a TV show. Um, they tried to make it cheerful because this is a series on the Book of Lamentations. Can I get some house lights, please? Um, this, thank you. Oh, I can see you all now. I can't take the dark. After a while, it just, I need to be able to see you. Uh, and we are starting a series in the Book of Lamentations this, this week. Um, for those of you that have been with us for some amount of years, you'll know that every February, every February, we choose a book that no one likes to read. And we decide to go through it line by line for a number of weeks. So welcome. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, Last year, you dodged a bit of a bullet if this is your first time here, because last year at this time, we started into the book of Leviticus. And if you're interested, you can go back and watch all 100 weeks of Leviticus. No, it wasn't 100 weeks. It felt like 100 weeks. But there were live animals some weeks, so that made it a little bit... Uh, what's interesting about the book of Lamentations, it's found in the Old Testament. What's interesting is that when I began to study for this series, what I recognized is this. Barely anybody speaks about Lamentations, <laughs> first of all. Uh, second of all, even getting commentaries, even getting Amazon to deliver you commentaries on the book of Lamentations, it said things like when you'd go on and click on and find a good commentary, this title is no longer available. <laughs> uh, so that was, don't worry for all the theologians in the house, I did manage to find some good thing I started early. Uh, but, but in fact, what I found and what I knew to be true is that Lamentations is not a book that any of us come to in our Bible reading and go, yes, Lamentations is a book called Weeping. A- actually, like the, the actual word for it is like, you know, when you're raging with weep, Weep, not, who rages with weep? I don't, that didn't even make sense. It's the nine o'clock service, right? And when you're really, really upset, it means to be, it means to be like ravaged with sorrow. And the truth is, um, none of us ever is excited to lament. No one chooses lamenting over laughing. Nobody says, unless, of course, you're some, okay, there, there is a little bit of an aside to this, because I see some of you, some of you would rather watch a sad movie than a, a, a funny one. Is there anybody like this? Every, none of you? Not, not even, okay, okay, some of you are ashamedly putting up your hand like me. I love to cry in movies. But generally speaking, when it comes to our lives, if I said, you know what, I'm going to give you the choice. For the next five years, you can cry or you can laugh. Well, we would be foolish, any of us would be foolish to say, you know what, I'm choosing crying. Um, and none of us have ever prayed the prayer, God, if I could just have more stress in my life, that's, that's what I'm looking for. But the reality is, here's the reality, that even life with Jesus, even with, li- even with Jesus in our life, life is still meets us with brokenness. We still have pain. We still have weeks that we think, I cannot believe this is how my life has turned out. Have any of you ever felt that before? Like, I had this plan. And my plan was to be X, Y, or Z. 
at a certain point and then you turn around and you look at your life and think, I feel like I'm on plan Z. And I don't, there's no other, there's no other alphabet letter after this. Lamentations is for you. Um, the truth is we can't sugarcoat the reality of pain and loss and suffering. And thank God for the book of Lamentations because it reminds us that God understands that as, as us, for us as humans. Even, I, I want you to see this this morning, even the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, um, when tasked with describing the Messiah, this is what he said. Let's look at this. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turns our, turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Okay. So thousands of years before Jesus comes, this is how the prophet describes Jesus, a man of sorrows. God's word says something here about himself, and it tells us something about us as well, that our Lord is no stranger to lament. But what does it say about us? You see, our knee-jerk reaction always is to hide our face from lament and sorrow. And... Um, this, this really is the human condition, right? I can remember when my brother died and I was just a really young, young adult, like I was 21. And I remember my friends not being able to know what to say. And yet, now I look back on it and think, of course, at 21, it's hard to know anything. You don't, you know a lot of, these 21 year olds know a lot of things. <laughs> if you're 21 today, you are special, you know a lot of things. But, but what I understood is that my friends, most of my friends sort of like, uh, like kind of ran away from me a little bit because they didn't know what to say. And at 21, I felt a little bit bewildered by that. But the older I've gotten and doubled my age and more, I realized that even at 50, we don't know what to say to people. It is the knee-jerk reaction to turn from sorrow because we're worried we'll say the wrong thing you know, my prayer at Journey Church is that we would be a place that lifts high the name of Jesus. But to do that, we must be true to Isaiah 53.5 that says Jesus himself was a man of sorrow. If we're going to be people that lift high the name of Jesus, we've got to get okay with lament. We've got to be okay with understanding what it means to be with our own sorrow, but also with the sorrow of others. Um, when this happens, when we learn to bring our lament and grief to Jesus, this is where God is able to do deep and powerful work in our lives. The path towards deeper peace is often through entrusting our pain to the man of sorrows. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read uh, the first three verses from Lamentations, and then we're going to talk about the overall structure of the book. It's really important when we come to... Um, studying biblical texts so we don't just like jump in there, but we actually learn where it's coming from. Uh, I want to tell you just, I'm going to give you a lot of bunch of Bible nerd things here. Okay. This is like my most, you know, I, I joke about this, but this, you know, this is my most exciting month of the whole year. You know, I'm like, I've been peppering Dave all month long. Like, did you know this about Lamentations? I know you didn't know this about Lamentations. Okay. So excuse me while I be excited right now. Lamentations 1 verse 1. 
starts with an exclamation point. Did you know that it is the only book in the entire Bible that starts with an exclamation point? And, yeah, wow. see, thank you for that wow. I, I appreciate that so much. Uh, but it's kind of ironic because it's not really uh, exciting. Okay, here we go. How deserted lies the city once so full of people! Exclamation point. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations? She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. I bet you there is not one person in here who has this memorized. There is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. Are you feeling cheerful? They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Okay. So I want to talk about the structural... Uh, we're going to talk about three things today. The structural uh, view of the book of Lamentations, and we're going to talk about the historical and contextual view, and then we're going to talk about how do we make this theologically applicable for us. Okay, structurally, there's a couple of things. So Lamentations is five chapters, and um, it, it, is, it is poetry. And this is important for us to understand because if we come at the Bible, it, every type of book in the same way, we'll actually read it incorrectly. Um, poetry is not the same as historical information. Um, the Bible consists of 66 books, and it's widely categorized into four or five different literary structures. So you've got the Torah or the books of the law, and this is all the, the legal things. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy tells the story of our origin, but then also it tells uh, what God was telling the children of Israel. Then you've got the historical books, and they document the journey of God's people and, and a lot of those historical books focus on a future where the Messiah would come. You've got the prophetic books. And the prophets are declaring um, the judgment of God and telling us a lot about God's character. Then you've got the wisdom literature, and they're practical. The practical books that tell us how to live. And then you've got poetry. And there are artistic expressions of the heart and emotions of God. Lamentations is a poetic book. Now, what's important for us to recognize here is that Lamentations is written in a particular meter. And you can't see this in the English. But if you read it in Hebrew, you would write, and you, you, you understood uh, Hebraic culture. The minute you read it, you would understand that the first and second, fourth and fifth chapters of this book are written in a, in a funeral meter. The minute you start reading it, you realize, oh, this funeral poetry. Now, by the way, by the way, in the church, we haven't done a really good job with artists. We haven't known what to do with poets. We say things like, I just want it straight. I don't, I don't want to sing worship songs that are poetry. I, I want science worship songs where it's like straight. But in fact, the Bible tells us that God actually breathes on artists that he breathes on poets. And if you're a poet here today, I, I want to tell you that that is a gift from God. It helps us to be able to, and for those of us that that's a stretch, we need to pray a prayer, something like this, God, I do not understand this, but I'm going to ask that you would help me. And do you know poets have been saying that about you and your math brain since grade two? So I think it's fair that now as adults, we would have to lean into that. Do you see how there is, let me just say as an aside as well, in the church, we don't really sing many songs of lament, do we? One third of the Psalms are lament though. 
And I've had some of you come up to me and say, I, I, I like it when we just sing songs that exalt God. And I do too. We need to sing songs that exalt God. But in fact, the book of Psalms has all kinds of songs of lament. Whoa. But you, can you imagine if Abel got up here on Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, you come, maybe we're going to do this. And he's like, whoa, everything's the worst. I don't know what to do. I've got all these people that I hate and I, I want to burn them to the ground, Lord. Like some of you would feel very uncomfortable. You, you might even sit down during that point. You would write me letters about it. Hopefully you wouldn't write them to Abel. Just write them to me. I'll make them softer. But this, this is actually what the Psalms and the Book of Lamentations does. Yikes. Like I've been, I've been studying this book and I was saying to a friend, it's like making me like, it's pushing on me a little bit. Because it's making me a little bit uncomfortable. I, I don't want to sing songs about my sorrow. I want to keep that hidden. I want everybody to think everything's great all the time. Okay, so it's written in, it's written in this funeral meter. And um, it's, it's uh, okay, so Lamentation is, you can't see this in English, and this is what's great about studying it together. It's written in Hebrew, but it's written as an acrostic alphabetic poem. Okay, so... That means that every chapter, except for chapter three, and we're going to deal with chapter three in its own way. So chapter one, two, four, and five. So that means that like every line, there's 22 verses in chapter one, 22 verses, because this is how many letters are in the Hebrew alphabet. And every line starts with alpha, that's the Hebrew A, beta, it, it goes from A to Z. Isn't that cool? You, you can't see that in the, in the English, but in the Hebrew, that's how it works. Um, and uh, chapter three is the crux of the entire book. It's the center of the book. And it's, uh, it's 66 verses. It's the only hopeful chapter in the whole book. Okay, it's the only one that you, if you've ever heard something quoted from Lamentations, somebody's had something on their fridge when we used to put fridge magnets. Remember that, those days? When we... <sighs> it's the only verse you probably have seen from Lamentations three. It's gonna be a great week that week. If you don't wanna come and lament, week three, it, but it will be important you come for week one and two, well, you're here already, but week two, because you won't understand chapter three if you don't go through it. But chapter three is um, 66 verses, and it's written sort of in a meter of AAA, BBB, CCC. I'm giving some of you a lot of anxiety right now because it reminds you of literature, grade 12 literature. Okay, but the point of this, the point of us talking about the structure is this. You and I don't have the luxury of dismissing the book of Lamentations as an emotional rant. So, some of you, listen, you're, you're, you're sort of, you've, you've thought, oh, I do not want to come and hear about emotionalism. How did I end up in a Pentecostal church where they just get emotional about all the things? The book of Lamentations, <laughs> your laughter betrays you. I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> Uh, I want you to see that this book is carefully thought out, that every line is carefully thought out, 22 verses, all with an alphabetic acrostic. And it is a carefully thought out articulation of pain and suffering. This book is for everyone. Okay, the historical context or the contextual context, uh, contest. So the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations are partners. Uh, most theologians believe that Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations as well. And if he didn't write it, 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 we know for certain that it happened during the time of Jeremiah's prophetic um, 
prophetic time. Now, if you've read the book of Jeremiah, we're going to read it in a few months. I wouldn't describe the book of Jeremiah as like happy. Really, Jeremiah has had a bad assignment. Everything's difficult. He's called the weeping prophet, basically because he's crying through the whole book. And um, what, what's happening at the time that Lamentations is being read is that um, Jerusalem was decimated. The time that the book of Lamentations was written, um, Babylon had come in and taken over Jerusalem, totally destroyed the entire city. It would be akin to North America, so Canada and the United States, being taken over by some foreign power and us no longer having the freedoms that we have at all. Imagine your house being in ruins. Now, now listen to me. We have a hard time um, understanding this, but I want you to think of people living in places like Syria right now. The Book of Lamentations is understandable. Some of you are from places in the world where you understand this book. But for those of us that have lived the majority of our life in North America, we actually have to put ourselves into that world. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, we want to be a place for all nations. Because we actually have blind spots in our own culture where we cannot see. And it stops us from actually understanding God's word. So the city of Jerusalem is crushed. Um, they don't see much hope on the horizon. So let's read these verses again. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she? who once was great among the nations. So imagine this for our own city, Calgary. Imagine it's been crushed. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. So Babylon had laid siege on Jerusalem. Here's the three interruptions to Israel. Jerusalem's population was decimated. So many people were killed. Um, Jerusalem's economy was totally tanked. You couldn't get, and we're going to get into this in chapters 2 and 4 and 5. You could barely get food. People were starving. And Jerusalem's social status had been rattled. It's like, when I travel, I'm always really happy to be a Canadian. Um, and maybe you've had this too. Like, I always, like, stitch the little Canadian thing because we're supposed to be nice and people like you when you go places, apparently. Um, imagine, though, that we became the villains of the world. Your social status has been decimated. You're no longer from Canada, the place that's like really nice and we say sorry a lot. You're from Canada, the place that everybody in the world hates and people are afraid of you. They're not really afraid of you, they feel sorry for you. This is where the book of Lamentations starts us. The destruction of Jerusalem is not only a social and political disaster, it's also devastatingly it's devastating theologically for the people of God. Because with the destruction of Jerusalem and Judea, the people are like thinking, where are you, God? You promised us a Messiah. You promised us that, that we would be your chosen people. And um, this appears to be totally lost. Like they used to think that they were God's favorite, and now they're sitting in the middle of destruction, Overnight, Jerusalem has gone from a bustling place to a place where everything had gone bad. 
And my hunch is that all of us can relate to this on some level or another. Maybe you've had seasons in your life where everything was perfect and you feel like, I don't know how I'm living this perfect Instagrammable life. And then in a minute, isn't this weird about life? In a minute, everything can be flattened. And like the people in the book of Lamentations, it can make us feel disoriented. Like, where are you, God? What has happened? If you've ever had somebody die unexpectedly, you know that the, the acute feeling of like, life is fine, life is certainly not fine. And it, and it makes you feel like, oh. if you've ever had something terrible happen to you, I know this feeling of like, when I was driving home from the hospital, when they told us that my brother would not, when my brother died, when we stood before his bed and we pulled the plug, so to speak, and he went to be with Jesus, I remember getting in the car and driving home from Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. And like, I wanted to, to like, when we stopped at stoplights, I wanted to like roll down the window and say like, don't you know? The world has changed for me. And some of you have had that feeling before. You got married and it was picture perfect and beautiful and you had this idea that everything would be wonderful. And then you found out that your spouse cheated. And it feels like the world is crushing in on you and you want to scream at everybody and say, don't you know? My life has just been decimated. Or you find out that your child is struggling with things that you never intended for them to struggle with. This is where Lamentations finds us. And um, the book of Lamentations, it does force us to pause and at least consider a new thought. That God might be with us in the pain. Most of us want to move past the pain, though. I come from a um, ridiculously optimistic family. Ridiculous. If you have met my parents before, or my dad particularly, uh, ridiculously optimistic. And I learned from a young age that what we do is we focus on the good, not the bad. Some of you have been taught that this is the North American tale, right? Focus on the good. There's always something good. And I talked about this last week. That there's always something we can be thankful for. Yes. But there are always two sides of ditch to that truth, yes? Because we can get into weird, toxic positivity where we're like, I've just been run over. Praise God, at least I still have feet. <laughs> I see you, Alex. <laughs> I didn't say that on purpose. It just came out. <sighs> we can get weird like that. But Lamentations reminds us that it is okay to bring our lament to God. And this is a deeply spiritual and a deeply forming exercise for us to do. There's a saying that says, if it is resurrection that you seek, you must first bury the dead. This is true. Which means you don't get to bypass the pain. Okay, so it's also very theologically practical. Our theological beliefs drive how we live. And some of you would say, well, I'm, I'm not a theologian. Theology just means like what you believe about God. What you believe about God and how you think about God drive how you live. And our theology drives practicality. 
Lamentations reminds us that pain and loss and struggle is real. And believers, as believers, we've got to have a strong theology of suffering. If we do not, if we don't, when suffering comes, what happens is our house of cards falls. So something difficult happens and we think, well, God, I guess, God, you're not with me. Forget you. And we walk away. And this is true. In, in the last 20 years, we've had a real, like, uh, it, particularly in evangelical churches like ours, we've had a decimation of young adults. And part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that we never told people the truth. We never told them that life would get hard, that there would be hard things that we would have to deal with. And when hard things came, they just thought, Pfft. they'd come to church and sing, like, cheerful songs and think, uh, this, some, something about this is not... I want to make sure that at Journey Church that we actually develop a strong theology of suffering. Because if we don't, here's the thing. How do we become world Christians? How, how do we say, oh, always when you're with Jesus, things are going to go right? How can you look at somebody, a Christian in the eye in Syria and say, just because you don't have enough faith, man, that's why things are going bad for you. Do you see that it, it, it creates problems for us? Uh, in a big way. So I, I want us to study this book because I want us to be well informed that even in the midst of our suffering, God is moving. And even in the midst of our pain, that God is sovereign and he is still with us and in control. I want to invite you to sit in your pain and your loss and your struggle. And um, I want you to slow down. And I want you to be able to bring that pain to God. Now, for many of the, us, this is, um, this is easy. For some of us, this is easy. Particularly if you've been through a lot of pain. But for others of us, it's more difficult. And so this is where we need each other. Some of you sit with somebody uh, for whom this is easy. You need to lean into them. This is where we learn from each other. This is why we always say that there's no golden stars we don't believe in like you're more spiritual than other people because it just means that some things you're better at. Some of you are so good at rejoicing. And that is also a command, by the way. <laughs> Do you see the tension in this as Christians? It is a command to rejoice. It's also a command to lament sometimes. And some of you will be better at some things than others. And this doesn't mean that you're better. It just means you're different. It's why we need each other. We can't have a church full of everybody being the same. If somebody doesn't believe the same things as you, great. You can learn from each other, right? We just acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and that he's working on all of us. Okay. So I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was thinking about how... The question becomes, how do we know how long to sit in our lament? Because there is such a thing as sitting in our lament for too long, too. For not actually, uh, Psalm 23 says this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is acknowledgement that we walk, that we actually are going to have some lament, but also we're going to walk through it. Okay. So then the real conundrum becomes, like, for how long should I lament? And when does it become self-indulgence, where I'm just navel-gazing, not doing anything? Any of you else have thought this before? Like, for how long do I sit in my basement playing E minor on my guitar? <laughs> this was a very true fact. My poor parents were very worried that I was never going to come out of my basement. <sighs> okay, so there's a few things psychologists tell us, and I think this will help us. Um, 
Some of you have unresolved grief, and this is what I want to get under a little bit in these next few minutes. Here's six common signs that you haven't properly grieved, and this is going to help us as we walk through the book of Lamentations. Number one, you don't want to speak about or acknowledge the loss. If it's still too hard to speak about, it probably means you haven't grieved enough. Number two, overactivity. You're either working too hard or spending too much time on a hobby to distract yourselves. Do you remember in the pandemic? Okay, can we just, I know that we're not supposed to talk about it anymore, but I just have to, sorry. Um, many of us, there was grieving in that. Some of you, uh, like, things like, particularly young people, they didn't have graduations, they didn't have normal university, that, like nothing was normal. And so you know what we did? We did weird things. Dave and I made a pizza oven. We, walked our, we bought a dog and started to walk him a million miles. Some of these weren't bad things. I made sourdough bread. Like, look at me. I mean, you know me even a little bit. Do, you, do I look like the kind of person that would be making you loaves of sourdough bread? No, but I did. <laughs> Hundreds of loaves of sourdough bread. Uh, or there, some of us, we have a hobby of watching YouTube. You know every weird thing. And this is distraction from actual grieving. You'll know when it's, um, when it's too much, though. When your phone tells you, your phone consumption is up 70% more than last week. Could be a sign. You have started to isolate and detach yourself from family and friends. This is why we talked about a rule of life two weeks ago, that one of our rules of life must be our connection to community with one another. This is the call of God in our lives. You're indulging in bad habits, overeating or undereating, drinking too much alcohol, risky behavior. You're sleeping more than usual. So you're basically trying to like sleep away the grief. You can't sleep away grief. You have to sit in it. You're overreacting to a relatively small event. This is a really hard one to admit. And, and listen, not all grief is big grief. Can I just speak about that too? Lamentations for everybody, because we all have even small griefs in our life. Like it's not, to, some, some of you have lost a job and it's like, it feels devastating to you, but you don't want to talk about it because like it feels like not, it feels like a paper cut. But how many of you know when you get a paper cut, there's nothing worse. You don't want to be a baby about it, but you basically can't live your life as per usual because <laughs> you've got a paper cut. We have to be able to admit and sit in all of our grief. Otherwise, you'll never be able to bring that to the Lord. Even your paper cut griefs, you've got to bring to Jesus. You've got to say, God, I, I'm upset about this. Now, I know that when I overreact to small things, that there's usually some grief in my life that I have not acknowledged so when I come home and like one of the kids' beds is not made, I, don't, I have a thing about made beds. I don't know why. It's a weird thing I have. But sometimes one of the kids' beds are not made, and I'm like, oh, you have not made your bed. The Lord is not in our house. I don't say that. That would be, but I, <laughs> the sentiment. And all of a sudden I realize, oh, wow, I am, wow, wow. This is a real overreaction to this. What? And the question I have to ask myself is, what grief am I dealing with right now that I have not brought to Jesus, that I have not sat in, that I've just ignored or stuffed? And it's usually something. It's not always something big. 
You avoid getting close to people and starting new relationships for fear of being hurt. This is often, this is often the way of grief. I want you to know today that God sees you and he hears you. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 42.3 says, A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. This is the promise of our God, that although we sit in lament, he doesn't leave us in lament. What some of us want to do is we want to go right to to Isaiah. We want to be like, he will bring forth his justice. That's what I want to do at least. Sometimes I want to be the one bringing forth his justice, which, you know, not really great. (laughs) But in fact, Lamentations, the whole book tells us that there are seasons. Some seasons are to grieve. And we lament. What's cool about the book of Lamentations, and every uh, commentary that I read talked about this. The book of Job, uh, Job is going through a hard time, and the, the characters in the book of Job talk to one another about it. Like Job's friends, who were the worst, Uh, just basically say, like, your life, I can't believe this, you're the worst, and Job's wife, she's mad. What's different about the book of Lamentations is that the author brings their grief in every chapter to God, always, over and over, like, God, can't you see this? God, this is what's happening. God, I can't. What's interesting is that you never see God chastising the author, And this is a good place for us to be, that our grief actually needs to be brought before the Lord, and we have to get good at that. we got to get good at saying, this is what prayer is, really. What prayer is, is saying, God, here is my grief. I'm bringing my grievances before you. This is what I'm feeling, bringing the whole thing to God. The paper cuts, the bullet shot, the bullet wounds, the amputations. Like we, We have a litany of grief usually in our lives. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of us today actually need to take some moments to identify the pain in our life because we have become so good at stuffing it down that we don't even know that it's there. I had this thought this week. Um, every couple of months, I try to like rearrange my closet. And I have these like wire baskets that I'm gonna, and I've, re- you know, I've gone through all the Instagram, like try to like organize your things and roll them up in funny little things. And that always seems great in January, but then when you've done laundry a number of times and you don't have time, you just throw it in there. <laughs> ah. What's weird is that like I often have, um, clothes in there that I forget about. Now, the gentleman in the room, might you might have no understanding of what I'm talking about right now. I was, um, I was saying to one of my friends, oh, I need to get a new outfit of this or that. And my, my daughter heard me saying that. And I got off the phone and she was like, mom, what are you talking about? You have that outfit. <laughs> and I was like, what? This is embarrassing. It's a first world problem. And I was embarrassed about it, and I said, I do? She said, yeah, you do. Go back in your closet and look. 
And I was like, certainly I don't. She said, Mom, go look in that, that wire basket that you have organized. She wasn't being rude, just truthful. I went and looked in the wire basket, and underneath all the stuff, oh yeah, yeah, there was that outfit. And I just said I needed. It was a miracle. <laughs> January miracle. <laughs> hmm. Some of us, this is actually, um, this is how we have stuffed our pain so deep that we actually don't even know it's there anymore. So when I say to you, hey, uh, we have to acknowledge our pain, we think, what pain? Got everything figured out. But our actions betray us. You see, you'll never be a healthy, fully formed Christian person till you deal with the pain, till you allow God to deal with the pain in your life. And for the next four weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to allow God to deal with our pain. Some of you are in the midst of a spiritual breakdown, so to speak. Like you, you actually think, I'm not sure that I can continue. Or I, you haven't even made a decision. Like you're not even, you don't even want anything to do with religion. Part of it has to do with the fact that you've got pain that you can't, that you haven't processed. You're unable to say yes to Jesus because you've been unable to process the pain that you've been through. Some of you have been hurt in church. You've been hurt by people that were supposed to protect you. You've been hurt by friends that were supposed to stand up for you. you you've, you've had disappointments that you never expected you were gonna have. And I believe over this next couple of weeks that God wants to do deep healing in our lives. This is what the Bible actually pushes us towards, healing, healing. And for some of us, this is an ongoing process. Can I just admit to you this, that there are parts of my heart that I have laid bare before the Lord, and I've asked the Lord to heal, and the Lord has come and done healing, but kind of like first level healing, then I take it back, and I think, look, it's all healed. And then I pick at the scab, and then we're in problems again. So this is an ongoing, until you die, this will be an ongoing, now God will come and bring, like, don't be discouraged. God will heal parts of your life, but there are parts of your life that you're going to have to just keep bringing out of the closet saying, I, okay, God, I still have this. Heal it. God, I still get anxiety around this. Heal it. God, this is like, I'm mad about this. Heal it. I am furious about this, God. Would you bring healing to it? And this is when we talk about Jehovah Rapha, that God is our healer. This is his name. He does not just heal your body. He heals your soul and your emotions. This is the God we serve. And over and over again in my life, I've seen God come and do miraculous healing in people's lives. Some of the people you're sitting around today are products of God's healing power. But God cannot heal what you will not reveal. So we got to get in the habit of saying, God, here's all my stuff. Here's my stuff. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. So God sees every part of your life, including the parts where you've experienced great sorrow. He is not impervious to your pain. He walks within it, with us in it if you'll let him. 
today, I, I, I want to invite you, if you've never said yes to, to Jesus, to say yes to him. Part of what we're saying is when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to him walking amongst our stuff. The Bible is clear that if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'd be saved. But part of that confession is making Jesus Lord. It's not praying a magic Jesus prayer and saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to come and take over all the parts of my life. And today I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never done that, today's your day. Today's your day. Don't waste. Don't waste another day. Don't wait to say yes to Jesus next week when you got it more figured out. God's here today. Jesus is here today. And I'm going to encourage you just to say yes to him right where you are, right where you are. Others of you are here in Jesus. Uh, you, you know Jesus, but you've been reticent to let him into the wounded parts of your heart. The book of Lamentations reminds us that God is looking for all of us, even the messy parts of us, the parts we don't want anybody else to see, the parts we are not proud of. He listens, he hears us, and he heals us. So I'm just going to ask that we would all just do this. Could we just raise our hands to heaven? This is just a sign of surrender, saying, God, I surrender to you. Jesus, help me to reveal to you what I need to reveal so that you can heal me. Thank you for your word that is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Just in this place, would you just, just like the Holy Spirit, I, I believe is speaking to us right now. There are parts of you that you have not given to God. Parts of you that have been wounded. Parts of you that are weary. Parts of you that feel like, like you've disappointed everyone. Parts of you that are wrapped up in shame. Just, just confess that to God now. You don't need smoke or lights. It's a cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He works. Would you just say, God, all the broken parts of me would you take now? And I just believe that God's going to give you something like specific, that there are specific things that you've stuffed in that wire basket, things that you have not uh, confessed to God. So on this Sunday morning, God, we're not in a rush. We're not in a rush. We, we need you to reveal things to us, things that we thought we dealt with years ago. Holy Spirit, would you bring those things to our remembrance so that we can confess them to be you and be set free and be healed? God, we lament, we cry out to you because we know that you are the only one that can heal us. You are the only one that can set us free. In Jesus' name. I'm going to worship a little bit just for a moment this morning. As we continue to worship, would you just continue to listen for God's voice? I, I really do believe that in these next four weeks that God's going to set many of us free. He's going to heal us. Would you just consider, maybe you could consider bringing somebody that you know that's been hurt in some way. I believe God wants to do deep and powerful work in our lives in these days. Let's just worship him this morning. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.